0: Hi everybody, I'm Diane Brady. I'm talking today with Dr. Ken Washington, who is Senior Vice President, as well as Chief Technology and Innovation Officer for Medtronic. Um, Ken, you've been in the job six months now. Let's start with that. How has it been?
1: It's been a great six months. Um, Some of the most rewarding months of my my career. And that says something, because this is my fifth company to work for. And I've been in the workforce for over 35 years. And I have had an amazing time making a difference for a company that does work that really matters.
0: Well, I love your background. Let me just go. First of all, you have a PhD in nuclear engineering. You were at Lockheed Martin, CTO Forbes, most recently, general manager of consumer robotics at Amazon. What's the through line there? If you had to identify just see what you brought to these roles and how you've built on your skill set
1: sure what well, starts with my my formal training as a nuclear engineer i i wanted to do nuclear engineering because i was told that it was like the hardest but i as i studied it i realized that it's the one engineering discipline where you need to know a lot of different things you need to know thermodynamics mm-hmm. you need to know materials you need to know software you need to know controls and uh you know artificial intelligence wasn't a buzzword back then but Uh, It turned out modeling and simulation was super important in the field of nuclear engineering. And so what's common about all of my career roles is that they all involve complex, multidisciplinary, hard problems, and they all involve advanced technology, and they all involve solving problems that, that really have a purpose and a mission. And I feel like I've landed really like in my dream job because Electronic has a mission that is it's hard to be.
0: Well, what's interesting, so I think you're doing robotic sensors, implantables, of course, as you mentioned um, a lot, I'm sure around artificial intelligence and and generative AI. Um, I used to speak to CEOs and they take a hundred days to listen, to figure out what's going on. There's so much urgency right now around technology. Can, do you hit the ground running or what do you do when you come into such a massive company obviously wants to accelerate innovation. Did you know right off the bat what levers to pull?
1: Uh, I, I I live by the credo of it's better to be a learn it all than a know it all. And so it was really important as I came into this job to really learn learn what the company is all about, understand what the culture is, and and see where there are there's opportunity. But it did not take long for me to realize that the transformation of healthcare by digital technology and artificial intelligence is a huge opportunity. In fact, that it's been said—I believe—that uh, uh, Jeffrey Hinton said that healthcare is the one area where AI has the opportunity to, to do the most good. And it didn't take long to understand why he said that and why that—I believe—that's true, because there's so much opportunity to bring uh, this digital innovation to health tech products to make them better, to help clinicians be more impactful and effective, and to give patients and and clinicians both a better experience and to lead to better outcomes. And we're seeing that already. That's already the case in a few cases, and we're going to build on that and make it even better.
0: You know, I I love you mentioned Jeffrey Hinton being from Toronto, of course, you know, uh, iconic, one of the godfathers of AI. And he said that in the context of of an overall kind of atmosphere of concern, you know, fear of AI. And to your point, and I agree, healthcare is the one where we go, I get it, I love it, I want it. How do you feel overall, having come from these other roles? Should we be nervous about where we are with technology right now? Excited, a bit of both? I'm just curious to get your 30,000 foot perspective first.
1: My, my perspective about this is that it's no different than any new technology and any emerging breakthrough innovation, that they have to be thought about responsibly. So very early in the in the journey of thinking about how, how would we leverage AI and health tech at Medtronic, very early on, we put together, we got our heads together and, and put together what we call an AI compass. It's to help guide us in the responsible use of AI. Where, where can it help? Where do we not need it, and in, how do we manage and, and leverage data in a responsible way? Look, I, I've learned this from my other other roles, where yeah, you know, AI was not a panacea for building cars that were smarter. In in the in the job that I did at Ford Motor Company. Mm-hmm. In fact, all the hype about self-driving cars where people had all these amazing dreams about building cars where so they could sleep in the back and the car would take them wherever they want to go. Well, that never came about. That sounds right?
0: scary. <laughs> it,
1: it sounds scary, right? Because cars are, are like big metal things. that drive on roads. And, and, and you have to be very careful and responsible about what are you going to see to a computer and what are you going to keep the responsibility of a, of a human? So AI and healthcare is no different. We don't think about AI as replacing doctors. We think about AI as making doctors better, and making clinicians better, making outcomes better. And in the hands of a skilled clinician, an AI-powered tool or an AI-enabled technology can help help them deliver a better experience and lead to a better outcome. Our GI Genius product is a great example of that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where in the hands of a skilled Gild colonoscopy uh, uh, professional, uh, a gastroenterologist. It can help them detect more polyps more reliably and consistently, and we've seen that in our studies. And um, that's the way we're thinking about AI in healthcare.
0: Let me ask a question about culture, because you know, obviously, a company like Medtronic, like many healthcare companies, innovations, you know, at the core of what they do but it must feel different being in a technology role when you come from a technology-first company, like Amazon comes to mind, to a company that's, you know, obviously technology's integral to what it does, but so much differences, right? It's it's the, the intersection of regulation, innovation. How is the culture different? How do you lead differently in that environment?
1: This is why coming into a new company, you always have to start with learning the culture, being alert at all. I had to take the time to understand where are the where are the cultural what are the cultural norms? How do we make decisions? Where are the how does the fact that we we work in a in a regulated industry? How does that manifest itself to what our risk profile is and and how mm-hmm. we make decisions? So um, I took the time to understand that and learn it. But at the same time, I'm bringing to the company some skills and some, and some processes and some mechanisms to help us take measured risks where it's appropriate, to help us make decisions with more, more alacrity and with less friction and decisions that'll stick with clarity. Um, as a digital first company, one of the things I learned at Amazon was how to uh, assign ownership in a way that, that, that allows leaders to be empowered to drive decisions. Mm-hmm. And so we're applying some of those mechanisms on my team and on some of the teams that we work with. But at the same time, um, we work in a regulated industry. And so the culture is shaped because of that.
0: Can I, I'm always curious about tactics. And this, of course, it's hard to deduce, your, you know, reduce your job to like, here's seven things I do that I find effective. But, but it is interesting to me um, when I think about the stage we are right now, especially with generative AI, every leader understands the urgency they understand they have to kind of get ahead of it the how part is is the tough part and anything tactically that advice that you give for how to think about it for people who are in your role but also you work with a lot of people in other c-suite roles and managers you know down the org chart what advice do you give in terms of how to be thinking about the innovation cycle that we're in right
1: now. Sure, I guess I'd start with the advice of uh, encouraging leaders in positions like mine, and you know, even if you're not in a technology leadership role, to start with focusing on raising the digital fluency of, of, the, of the leadership. Uh, teach them what AI is all about, and it's not just about generative AI. You know, AI has been around for over 50 years. And so mm-hmm. teach them the difference between a deep learning model and a generative AI model. Teach them how these models are built and how they depend on on uh, massive amounts of data that has to be labeled and curated and, and what the risks are associated with using these models and how to use them responsibly and, What is the life cycle of data and and ownership and what are the trades you need to make when you want to implement a model like this these things are all new to a lot of leaders and, and businesses so raise the fluency by talking about it and and teaching your colleagues what to do and encourage them to play with the technology to learn by using you know they the good news is a lot of these technologies are so easy to use today because they're built into commercial products they're built into yeah. office they're built into our you know uh, tools that we use every day so um you can learn about these technologies so that when you are faced with strategic decisions and conversations about applying this to your mission you're coming at it from a position of higher fluency and understanding
0: you know, I'm, I'm talking to you as a business leader, and one of the, um, I want to be cognizant of the consumer conversation, because there is, I think, we talk a lot about transparency and trust, and especially in the healthcare space, you know, we were taught, you know, this whole concept of a digital self and how that can really revolutionize, personalize healthcare, yet there are a lot of communities that don't have that automatic trust that you know, institutions or healthcare or their friend. What what can we do to build that trust and that transparency so that everybody can participate in the benefits and the upside that AI can bring and other technologies? Do you think about that much?
1: I think about that a lot um, because um, AI and digital has the potential of Increasing access to great healthcare uh, to you know to many people, and uh, trust is 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 something that you earn and you build on the trust and the and the brand recognition that you have. Um, we are a, a well-known brand in the medical field, um, and we need to leverage we leverage that as we think about integrating AI into our into the products that we design and build um but you know i should clarify that that um ai is not all created equal and so uh we've been talking a lot about generative ai which burst onto the scene a little over a year ago and that's what sort of created the frenzy around ai but a lot of the artificial intelligence that we use in the med tech space is really based on you know deep learning technology where the, the models are more carefully curated and 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 there's learning and that based on data that you have um, that you've managed carefully. And uh, and so it's it creates that that ability for you to, to build a narrative around how you're bringing the product through the FDA approval process
0: mm-hmm. into
1: the hands of a skilled clinician in a way that will engender that kind of trust. And that's how we're approaching our ai journey on the clinical side and on the therapeutic intervention side on the business side there's ample opportunity to leverage the proven commercial tools that are now being upskilled with new ai technology like generative ai Uh, so we've adopted the microsoft 365 co-pilot technology for example inside our company and we started using it first in a small pilot to build trust amongst our employees mm-hmm. in that pilot, and we told stories about how it boosted our productivity, while yet using it in a responsible way that created uh, a sense of, of trust that you could use the models in a responsible way. So that's how I think about it. You know, it starts with with um, starting small and being clear about what what are you actually using and how are you how are you using it.
0: I know you're six months in, so I still think it's early days for where you are, but um you know I'd, I'd be remiss not to think more holistically about technology Have your as you've looked at the opportunities and priorities what what would you be putting on our radar right now? You've mentioned a few things, but obviously AI is dominates the conversation, but you know there's many other aspects to innovation, can you give us a broader sense of what we will be talking about, for example, this time next year, what excites you and even some of the hard choices?
1: Sure. Um, So uh, one of the things I've learned in my six months while I've been here has been that Medtronic has a, um, a very rich portfolio and a very diverse portfolio of technologies. And innovation is at the heart of what we do. So. AR you know, um, is more than it's not you know just a slogan that we engineer the extraordinary. It's really who we are and what we do, and um, and so that applies to some really amazing technologies that we have in the cardiovascular portfolio. Uh, in fact, I'm really excited about some recent new technologies that we've that we've uh, launched. And just uh, literally yesterday, we received FDA approval for pulse field ablation, which has a huge opportunity to. To to create lots of value and, and improve patient care, mm-hmm. um, I'm really excited about uh, our Hugo robot uh, with like redefining how you do laparoscopic surgery in a less invasive way, uh, with you know a better experience for both the clinician as well as better outcomes for patients. Um, I'm very excited about uh, what we have have in our neuroscience portfolio. Um, yesterday we had our holiday event and we we actually met some patients who. Whose lives were transformed by these these um, pain relieving therapies? Where you know uh, this patient had spent seven years in a wheelchair, and because of our therapy, she was able to get up and not only walk, but is now running a half marathon. Um, wow! And so uh, you,
0: that's amazing. Think about that.
1: That's amazing. And you know we're doing that today. And so imagine what we'll be able to do in three to five years.
0: Um, I was going to ask about the hard choices. You can certainly uh, talk about that, but I. I'm immediately thinking as you're talking about these um, particular examples of pivot points in your own career, you know, I'm thinking of you getting up and running your own version of a half marathon. What have been some of the most important pivot points you think about as you've become, taken on bigger and bigger leadership roles?
1: So the key pivot points for me have been the, the pivots and the transitions in my career. To move closer and closer to missions that matter for people, for consumers, for end users of of complex technical products. I started my career working in a defense-funded, government-funded research and
0: development laboratory. for and space? Was that for mission, space?
1: <laughs> no, well, that was. Uh, I worked for, for a, a company called uh, Sandia National Laboratories which is the department of energy funded research laboratory whose mission is to ensure the surety, the safety, security and efficacy of the nation's nuclear weapon stockpile. And so most, you know, citizens day to day don't think about that, right? But it's an extremely important mission with a high mm-hmm. purpose with a lot of complex hard technology work to do. And I spent a lot of time there learning a lot about technology and learning a lot about computing and modeling and simulation and and networking and and i ended up being their cio and i went to lockheed which was my first transition you asked about transitions Mm -hmm. that was my first transition, a little closer to what people think about day-to-day and that was lockheed martin where i ended up running the research lab for their space business well people day-to-day typically don't think about satellites and rockets but they certainly think about the GPS device in their cars and their phones, and that works because of satellites that Lockheed Martin built, Mm -hmm. provide and enable GPS, as well as communication satellites and and other satellites that uh, unveil unveil the secrets of the universe. Uh, My next transition was then getting a little closer to the consumer, building cars, making them safe, transforming them to digital experiences uh, because everyone knows about cars and mobility, and it enables people to be mobile and to be near their loved ones and to get to where they need to go in a safe, efficient and effective way. And that was very rewarding for me to help that company transform itself to make cars more accessible and safer and a and yeah, better experience. Uh, but then moving into a consumer first digital native company like Amazon allowed me to further hone my skills, and equip me to come to Medtronic and do a job like I'm doing now. So a lot of transitions that ultimately led to what I consider to be just my dream job, making a difference in alleviating pain and you know restoring health and extending life through technology.
0: You talk about impact, and I can tell you're somebody who cares deeply about the impact that you make and your company makes. You know, as you're going through some of the examples that you cite, satellites, you know, part of what comes to mind is this um, not, certainly not monopolies or oligopolies, but, but we've seen a lot of behemoths in the tech space and behemoths, for example, in the satellite space, not naming names. And yet at the same time, we're trying to create more, you know, inclusive technologies. We're trying to get people excited, you know, create startup cultures. As somebody who's been at the forefront of a lot of these technologies, Ken, how do you, how do you think about that just as a leader? How do, we, how do we democratize in many ways the impact that these technologies have and, and the gains that come from them?
1: Well, look, I, I, I'm a big believer in, in uh, enabling opportunities for wide varieties of different people. And I'm a huge advocate of STEM ed- education I'm also a big supporter and advocate of, of small businesses. In fact, one of the one of the things that I did when I was at Amazon was i I helped my company, my my business pivot to provide a product to help small businesses secure their what they worked so hard to invest in. And that was mm-hmm. important to me because not only would it create a really great business for the product that I led, but it would serve a real value to these small businesses. Um, and so at, at Medtronic, we we're thinking about that kind of in the same in the same way. We we have a very rich uh, supplier diversity program, and we have lots of our supply uh, driven by and enabled by small businesses. Um, and so it's all part of the part of the, the ecosystem that makes that makes business successful and makes business work. There's a ton of AI startup technologies that um, is making the AI opportunities in healthcare really rich and and possible. So there's no shortage of opportunity for small businesses and startups to thrive in this future that's gonna be rich in digital and rich in AI technology.
0: Anything else that, I mean, I could talk to you all day. I'm enjoying this conversation. I want to know so much more about your own sort of innovation strategy and how you keep yourself innovative. What would, what's on your radar you would like to put on ours um, in terms of how you think about this and how you think the people watching this should be thinking about these technologies and the impact they'll have?
1: What I really would like your, your listeners, who, anyone watching this to, to, to really realize is, uh, we're just getting started. Right? So the AI revolution is not like you know, old, old at all. I mean, this is like day one. This is day mm-hmm. one of us taking this amazing technology and making new therapies better and improving patient outcomes like GI, what GI Genius does or our AcuRhythm AI product, which takes a, a cardiac monitor the size of a paperclip and it connects it to a digital algorithm that reduces false positives by more than 80 to 90%. And so that gives patients and doctors time back. So we've already made those therapies that are powered by AI available. So this is just day one. So imagine what day 100 will be. If we're just getting started, just imagine what these products that we build today, like our Hugo robot, like our deep brain stimulation capabilities, and and like all the cardiac um, uh, uh, monitors that we provide and, and pacemakers, the list goes on and on. Imagine what that will be like when AI matures and becomes much more commonplace as we learn more about how to use and apply these technologies in a responsible way. I think the future for health tech and healthcare is extremely promising given mm-hmm. the digital revolution that we're just getting started with.
0: Well, we are talking to you on day one. I look forward to continuing that conversation on day 100 or whenever we meet again. But thank you very much for joining us and um, good luck as you're at the start of your journey, too.
1: Thank you so much, I enjoyed the conversation as well.